0: Hey, it's Andrew. Miles is here too. How's it going, Miles? It's going good, Andrew. So as we've been covering COVID-19 and doing all this kind of stuff, we've been trying to keep the ads out of the podcast. But one thing that we did want to mention is that if you want to support local journalism, if you want to support what we're doing here, if these updates have been useful for you, one thing that you can do to help us out right now is to buy something from our shop. We have a really cool shop at doorcountypulse.com slash shop, and there's a lot of really cool stuff on there.
1: Yeah, we have great posters from our art director, Ryan Miller, of the Door County State Parks. We have posters of the Door County Lighthouses, the two-volume Door County Living in Pictures books, and a lot of other great stuff, even stickers. Like, if you buy a sticker, all of those purchases go to help support this podcast and the work we do each week with the Peninsula Pulse, sending the news out to every mailbox in the county, and we can do all that for free. When you do that, you're supporting the work we're doing here and the weekly edition of the Peninsula
0: Pulse. Once again, that is com slash shop. Thank you for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden and I'm joined as always by Miles Danhausen how's it going miles it's going as
1: good as it can be on a very rainy election day Andrew
0: yeah there's a lot to talk about today uh, I if you listened yesterday I was suffering th- from some pretty severe allergies but I handled them the way that I handle all sickness now which is to systematically destroy the symptoms I'm not the type of person to like take caution in my week to week to try to be healthy it's as soon as I notice that I'm getting sick I like immediately go into hibernation mode nuke my body with medication sleep all day long and then recover the next day so i'm feeling much better today after literally walking into a cave and sleeping for like (laughs) 18 hours i also took a trip down to sturgeon bay today and got to see how things were going um the bridges were up today all right and was that uh
1: did they finally raise them they don't want anyone coming in
0: Yep. (laughs) Uh, no one coming in or out anymore. No, they, uh, they were taking turns on them. Um, I forgot that the bridges were up, so I had to take a bunch of little detours and find my way around. Uh, but I made it down to Walgreens to pick up some prescriptions. And, uh, it was, it was pretty interesting seeing the vibe down in Sturgeon Bay. I stopped at Walmart as well, just to pick up some essentials and saw things had changed a lot since I had been down there last week. Um, a lot of employees wearing masks. I saw some customers wearing masks today, which was a good sign. Uh, I believe they were also limiting the amount of people in there. There was somebody at the front door keeping track of everybody who was going in and out, uh, to try to keep under capacity, I would assume. So uh saw some some promising things down in Sturgeon Bay today, despite seeing a lot of traffic on the road, a lot of cars out and about. People still doing stuff, but at least it seems like the major areas are taking more consideration about social distancing, wearing masks, all that kind of stuff. So if you are out and about, people are mostly playing it safe right now, uh, no matter where you're going. So that was good to see.
1: What would you say the percentage of people wearing masks was?
0: I would say half of the employees that I saw probably. Uh, and then maybe one out of every 10 customers. So okay. not a ton, but enough. Like I probably saw five to six masks today, uh, just in people walking around with shopping carts. So it, it was enough that I saw and noticed people wearing them, but not enough that I was like, hey, this is people are definitely wearing masks.
1: It is such a strange uh, evolution here that I remember in at the end of February, when I first called the health department uh, to ask about preparations for COVID-19 and and their concern level. And at that time, it was basically no concern. And uh, the the risk level was stated as low here. And most of the effort was, you know, more about talking about the flu than about COVID-19. And then they were very specific back then, and this was following CDC guidance, so it's no knock on our, our, our local officials, but that masks weren't helpful and it's just amazing how quickly that has evolved in a month's time to go from nope you shouldn't wear masks and also like we don't want to run on them save them for the healthcare professionals and to um actually yeah it probably couldn't hurt which logic tells you that but it's it's interesting that we like even if it's not a perfect mask even just not like the exact right one you it can't hurt right but right but if somebody tells you No, that's not going to help protect you. You just you obey. (laughs) Everyone goes along with it. And now, when they say yes, that will help protect you, you should probably do it. You know, tons of people are obeying. So it's it's just
0: an interesting social phenomenon. Well, and the masks are not a shield against COVID nineteen or any illness. They are they're they're better than nothing and, and it it's amazing how much medical science is better than nothing like there's a lot of things a lot of common best practices that happen at hospitals that aren't necessarily like we do this because it is proven to be effective 100 percent of the time or we do this because it lowers our chance of this by 80 percent there's a lot of stuff that happens in hospitals that's like hey this is better than not doing it so we do it despite not having conc- inclusive evidence one way or the other, that it has a dramatic effect. And it, you know what? If that's what the hospitals are doing, then why wouldn't I be doing it out in my day-to-day as well?
1: Right. Um, Dr. Jim Heiss on last night's call uh, pointed something out that I, I've read before as well, but I was glad he said this on his uh, Facebook live session for Door County Medical Center that some people asked about vitamins. Like, should I take, should I load up on vitamins right now to protect myself and build immunity? And he's like, well, they won't necessarily hurt you, but they're not supplements and vitamins have not been proven to do much at all in, in all the, the science that's out there. Uh, there are some that have been shown to have some little bit of effect, but if you're eating a balanced diet and you don't have any pronounced deficiencies for the most part, those are kind of wasted money. (laughs) Um, unless a doctor has said, Hey, you're short on iron or you're short on fiber or something like that. Um, but I'm
0: sure a lot of people are loading up on those. Right. Uh, So let's run down the list of things that we're going to talk about today. So to start off, it was election day, unfortunately, today. We talked about it a little bit yesterday. I was able to insert, I don't know if you listened to the podcast afterwards, but I was able to insert the correction about the Supreme Court last night because I was editing right around the time that it turned around. By the way, that was one of my favorite moments in the history of the podcast.
2: (laughs) Hey, Just (laughs) coming
0: in from the future. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so it was election day today, unfortunately. And uh, if you have been online, I'm sure, you know, as a Door County resident or somebody who lives in Wisconsin, you've been seeing the videos of people lined up for half a mile at the polling locations. Uh, If you're outside of Wisconsin, I'm sure you've seen people just all over talking about what a nightmare it is that people went out to the polls today or had to go out to the polls today in Wisconsin. I've seen articles written and videos made across the board uh, from big national Uh, newspapers and content creators and all sorts of stuff just talking about what a failure this was, um, making people go out to the the polls. Now, there is a silver lining in that a lot of polling places took precautions, um, especially up here in Door County. There were a lot of really great things that were done uh, in Sister Bay, and we'll get into that as we talk about it. But uh, why don't we jump right in, Miles? What was your take on the polling experience today in Door County?
1: Well, I did not vote absentee in part because... I knew that if this was, if they did go ahead with voting and there was part of me that just thought like eventually it it would be stopped. But I also knew that like, if there was voting, it was an experience I wanted to go through as a reporter just to, to be able to articulate what it was like. Um, so I got up first thing this morning and I believe I was the first in-person voter in Liberty Grove where I live at the town hall. And as you arrive, there's no line. Um, which is typical for small towns. And a man is there, opens the door for you so you don't have to touch the door handle. And then there's a hand sanitizer. Right when you walk in, sanitize your hands. And then they instruct you after you tell them which district you're in and find it on the map. They There's a single chair in the middle of the room and they direct you to sit in that chair and wait to be called. Uh, it kind of felt like getting put in the corner in kindergarten class, honestly. <laughs> And even though I was the first one there, I think they were still organizing some stuff. So I was sitting there for a little while before anybody called me. And then you go up and all of the poll workers were behind a plexiglass, um, like temporary plexiglass wall that they had made, including one National Guard member who was filling in because they were short poll workers. And then some of the poll workers were wearing masks, not all of them. Um, And maybe some of the ones behind the plexiglass were probably fine with that. Um, But then... You go up, you pick up your pen by yourself, nobody hands it to you, and then go make your voting selection. After that, you insert your ballot and you drop your marker into a, a box for used markers, which will then be sanitized. And they also had somebody walking around keeping an eye on things who had a squirt bottle of sanitizer and a mask on and gloves and a cloth. So they were there to wipe down any surfaces that you might have touched and keep things sanitary and moving. Um, so that was that's what it will look like in Liberty Grove. I also drove to Sister Bay and checked out their setup, where they have drive-through voting at the Sister Bay Liberty Grove Fire Station on Mill Road, outside of or kind of right in downtown Sister Bay, and where you can drive up into one side of the fire station, the fire truck bays, and then drive-through vote, and drive out the other side. So people have adapted, and I'd say like the the poll workers and the the clerks that I saw looked looked exhausted, but they did a great job from what I saw. Um, And I've, as much as I saw a lot of social media posts about people having chaotic experiences, I also saw a lot of posts today of people who said it was just fine. It was great. Now that generally tends to be, we're very lucky up here. I think we talked about this yesterday, but um, voting in a rural small town area, like I said, in Door County, I think we have 19 or 20 polling places in the city of Milwaukee. They have five today. So my friends were sending me, a friend sent me a picture. He said he was in line before the polls opened. And after 45 minutes, he was still in the same spot in that line, one quarter of a mile away from the actual voting location in the rain. So um, our experiences here are not probably symbolic of, honestly, most of America, because most of America now lives in urban areas, the majority of our country, and the majority of our country is voting in polling places similar to that.
0: Now tell me, tell me if you think that this is an overreaction on my part. But when you explained the process in terms of like uh, picking up a pen, doing your thing, dropping a, a used marker, having it sanitized, having somebody wa- wiping down the booth, all of that kind of stuff, as you explained that, if you had explained that to me six months ago, I would have been like, oh yeah, that sounds totally fair, just in terms of basic <laughs> hygiene and sanitation. Anyway, so am I overreacting? Like maybe. <laughs> Maybe that's how we should be doing things just in general. Like when I go to Target and I see people walking around and wiping down the carts constantly, it's like that that doesn't seem like it's too far of a stretch for like we should just be doing that anyway and just keeping each other safe, even when we're not in the face of a pandemic.
1: Well, I would say that I, I certainly on a day to day wouldn't go as far as we're going now. But even as this all started, I was like, even in my own home, I'm thinking, hmm, I probably should just wipe down my doorknobs a little more often than I do. And even yeah. in, in our Pulse office, it, I don't think we'll ever go back to being as nonchalant about an, at our cleanliness. Even though we have cleaners who come to our office every other week, it never really dawned on me to wipe down surfaces and things like that. And just in terms of protection from common illness and the flu and things like that, it's probably a smart thing to do. <laughs>
0: Right. I think the only step that they could go to next to just even further the cleanliness at the polling locations is be to give you uh, disposable darts that you throw at a picture of the candidate that you want to vote for. And then the (laughs) the darts are then disposed of. I think that that would be the next step for me.
1: I do think with the level of information that a lot of voters go to the polls with, that might not be that different. Um, (laughs) You know, a couple other things about the election today and Wisconsin going forward with it. It was interesting that last night when Dr. Jim Heisen and public health manager Sue Powers started their Facebook Live, at that time, the election was still delayed until June 9th. Somebody asked what he thought about, should we go to the polls and vote tomorrow? Is it safe? And he said he did not know that the, the Supreme Court had overruled that order. And he said, well, the doctor and me would say that that goes against everything we've been talking about. But we don't, luckily, we don't have to do that. It's been delayed. And then he saw the news come in and he's like, Well, I don't want to get political here, but if you're going to have to go to the polls, and he gave a, a bunch of steps to take. And it just goes to show you that, like this decision, a decision like this that should have been made with solely public health first and everything else second, politics aside, economics aside, public health first, certainly was not because there's. Right no public health expert that would say that that was the the thing to do. Um, And even the Supreme Court in deciding that absentee ballots wouldn't be counted until April that could no longer be counted um, after today. That decision, the Supreme Court has stopped oral arguments because of the virus. And yet his ruling that everyone has to go to the polls to vote in person in large crowds of people.
0: Um, Yeah, what I think you're getting at is that the Supreme Court met remotely in order to make the decision to send people to the polls. Yes. Like, th- that seems wild. They, like, you guys aren't even meeting just the the small group of you, and then you're going to send thousands of people out to be around each other to wait in line at these polling locations. Like, if you can't even meet together, then why would you send everybody else out? Right. Uh,
1: it's frustrating. I think it's, I mean, I, I hope we don't see any spike in cases 10 days from now based on this. And I hope that everyone who gets to vote or wanted to vote does get to vote. And um, I fear that a lot of people who sent in or who requested absentee ballots and weren't watching the news all day yesterday, which here's a news flash for all the journalists and all the people who are very politically engaged is that most of us are not <laughs> like I do recognize every day that I do my job that I'm probably in like that top percent or two of people who is engaged with this stuff every day, all day, and that most people are happy to go about their lives without that. Um, right. So uh, hopefully a lot of those people got got the word. Um, but we'll see. We'll see when the votes are tabulated, which they will not be tonight. I, last I saw that they will not release election results today because they have to wait until they tabulate all those absentee ballots. So it will probably be sever- several days before we know... At least on the state Supreme Court race, it'll be several days and the state referendum. I also think it'll probably be several days before we know for sure on the local races, but I'm not positive on that. Perhaps they can get that information out sooner. Right. But I doubt
0: it. Two more quick things that we want to talk about today before we wrap up. Uh, I think the first one that we should mention, just real quick, uh, the number of cases in Door County is at seven as of the time that we're recording right now. I believe that that is up from what we reported yesterday. I believe the number seven came out in um, the Door County Medical Center's live stream that they did last night, or at least that's when I had heard that the cases had risen to seven. So... Seven cases confirmed in Door County. Um, there are, I think, something like 80 negative results that have come back, uh, which is up from like what we were talking last week from like 40 results period. Uh, it seems like a lot of those results have come in, but I believe that Door County Medical Center is testing every day. So we'll we'll continue to to keep track of the numbers as they go up. Anything else about the, the numbers of COVID-19 in Wisconsin before we move on to your interview with Dr. Phil Arnold?
1: Uh, Yeah. One of the things that uh, was mentioned last night in the Facebook Live that I thought was pretty interesting that Sue Powers said, uh, the public health manager, was that in some of these cases, she did not detail how many were hospitalized at this moment, but she did say that some of these people are people that have been contacted when they called them to give them the results. These people had already recovered, so, they might have been tested 10, 12 days ago. They finally got the results back, came back positive. So, the hospital calls them. And then that person said, Yes, I've been home. I actually feel fine. I, I'm recovered now. But the hmm. other thing that they're doing is they are doing contact tracing. So, what we may see in the days and, and weeks ahead is maybe they contacted some of these people that had come in contact with those first couple of cases. And then they got kind of an immediate test result, and that might have come back. So there might be some instances of that too. So we might see those cases go up and it it might not necessarily mean that there's a ton of sick people around. However, right. Dr. Jim Heist said everybody in Door County should be acting. He 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 doesn't like the emphasis on the of people asking where where is this case? Where did this person live? Right. So, and he was saying just everyone should be acting as though the person next to them has it. Like just treat everybody as a potential carrier right now. Um right. Now on the flip side, I like many people would say that wouldn't it be nice to at least know it might it might spur some more vigilance and some more caution if they could give a ballpark north or south Door County or Southern Door City Northern Door. Um because I, I do think like if people knew that there was a case in Northern Door, I think you might see a lot fewer people. As much as we're locked down now, I think you might see more take it more seriously, shut their doors, maybe, maybe stop going to work, maybe stop going to the Piggly Wiggly, that kind of thing. So. Yeah,
0: I wonder, I wonder how much of a, an effect that would have on people taking it more seriously or if it would have a, a greater effect on people being like, oh, did you hear the cases are in Sturgeon Bay, don't go to Sturgeon Bay. Or they're in Fish Creek, avoid Fish Creek, and avoid Fish Creek businesses, that kind of stuff. I, I wonder if that's probably the bigger fear in releasing area. Data just because I, I feel like that's going to be where it's coming out the most. Is people online being like, Hey, the case was in Bailey's Harbor, don't go to Bailey's Harbor. <laughs> well, I, and I, I certainly would not advocate
1: them saying a specific town just because of the size of some of these other Door County towns. Maybe you could say the city just because of the um, you're talking 10,000 people, it'd be hard to pinpoint, but um, and it's not necessary to find that person, it's just I'm and, and I could totally be wrong on this. My thinking is just that anything that pushes people to more caution and to more seeing this as real is a good thing in my mind. So, um, sure. and maybe
0: that's not the way to do it. That's just a, I thought I was bouncing around in my head. Uh, the other thing that I took away from the live stream last night is that they, they said that all of the cases so far, um, were, they were able to pinpoint where the people, uh, got infected. So there's no community spread at this point. Uh, community spread is any case that the person who is infected can't recall where they were or who they were with when they got sick. So they don't know where it, it came from. Uh, the other way that you could think of it is like, if you were, are just out and about In your business, and you're not interacting with anybody who has traveled recently or anybody who you know is sick or anything like that, and you get COVID-19, that would mean community spread. It means that you probably got it from somebody... In the community, as you are out out and about, but that's not the medical definition for it. The medical definition is any case where they can't determine where the person got sick. Right. So that is some good news. That means that uh, there's a reason why each positive result has come back the way that it came back, and that none of the results so far has been like, oh, who knows where they got it from. Everybody has had a good reason for whether it be they were traveling to an affected area or they were in close contact with somebody who uh, also has a positive result. Um, so there's no community spread at this point. So
1: And and yet they fully expect there to be community spread eventually. And as Dr. Heiss said, he goes, I'd love to tell you there won't be a spike, but I fully expect there to be a spike, um, which would probably come from community spread. So hopefully we don't see that, but Door County had one case last week. We're up to seven now. Um, where you'd start to worry is if you see four or five days from now, if that's at 14, then you're starting to go, okay, this is actually following that doubling curve in five, six days. But right. um, hopefully, uh, you know, in a small enough community like we are, they are able to contact, trace, and quarantine well enough to stop the spread.
0: Right. So, Miles, we're going to wrap up today with an interview that you did with Dr. Phil Arnold today, uh, talking about his experience in Seattle and how Washington has uh, bent the curve. I've been told that Dr. Phil Arnold is a name that some of our listeners will know. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. uh, Phil worked up here for Door County Medical Center for many years and worked with a lot of high school athletes, particularly in Northern Door. He was actually the... um, medical director of the Door County Half Marathon when we started the race and for I think about the first 10 years of the event but then a few years ago moved to Seattle with his wife and they have a couple of kids out there where he works at a clinic and I just I've been call- talking to him several times over the last few weeks just trying to get a vibe for what they're seeing out there he's not necessarily on the front lines of of this treating COVID patients, but everybody in the medical profession out there has been affected by this. Anybody who lives out there has been affected by it. Um, and so he gave us some some insights on what that experience has been like, maybe what we're in for in the days ahead. And you know, the nice thing is, in Washington, they've flattened this curve a lot. Right. And even though that they had the first case in the United States, and early on started to see a lot, a lot more. They were vigilant. They took social distancing very seriously from the outset. Uh, Large companies took drastic measures and they have not seen that ongoing explosion of cases. So something for us to look forward to as we maybe wonder why we're
0: so locked down. Right. So we will jump into that interview next. The last thing I want to say uh, before saying goodbye to you today, Miles, is that uh, if you haven't had a chance to jump on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Pulse, or our video page on the website, DoorCountyPulse.com slash video, uh, we have a a new video up for everybody. It's kind of a recap of some of the stories that you can find in last week's Pulse. Uh, If you want to see how I make my morning coffee every day, and I'll tell you right now it's pretty bougie so if you want to see a fancy way to make coffee and watch me talk uh, about why I do it the way I do it you can do that Uh, we also have an episode of wicked cocktails on there as well which is where we watch Mike Holmes of Wickman House make his favorite cocktail Uh, and then there's some other fun stuff in there as well Um, some more news from last week Uh, and a little bit of entertainment as well. So if you haven't had a chance to check out the Door County Pulse on YouTube or on our videos page, uh, I highly recommend it. We should have another one coming up for you soon, uh, but enjoy this one uh, this week. Miles, thank you so much for chatting with me today. And I look forward to chatting with you again tomorrow.
1: All right. Thank you, Andrew.
0: Okay. Joining us today
1: on the Door County Pulse podcast is a a voice and a name that will be familiar to a lot of our listeners, Dr. Phil Arnold, formerly of Door County Medical Center, and now a family doctor for the Poly Clinic out in Seattle, Washington. Phil, thanks for joining us. You
2: bet. Nice to hear from you, Miles.
1: So, do you, are you missing Door County right now?
2: Oh, I always miss Door County. Absolutely.
1: Tell other listeners, uh, those who might not be familiar, tell me a little bit about what you do out in Seattle, um, how long you've been there, what that that road has been before all of the craziness of the last couple of months,
2: sure. Well, I came out here about three years ago, and there was a brief time where I had returned to Door County with the family, and then we turned the ship around and headed back out here. So I've been back out here now for just about a year and a half, and I work for a group here called the Polyclinic, and I am a family doctor doing extreme uh, sorry doing outpatient medicine exclusively, and. Our practice prior to this time was a you know big bustling practice. We were uh, we were one of many groups here in town, but uh, one that I considered the best, which is why I sought employment here. <laughs> um, it's a multi-specialty group, and um, I do think we do a really good job. And so, uh, life prior to this was probably similar to most clinics around the country. Right, we were busy, and we had. Uh, uh, you know, normal day everyday meetings and talking about patient care and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then this thing hit just like it did nationwide and kind of turned everything upside down. And so it, now and it hit are,
1: your area different than everywhere else. Well, first before everybody else, I, I should say.
2: Right. Yeah. That first case uh, was, you know, just a few miles from us here. And yeah, we, we felt like every news camera in the world was pointed at us for a while, but now clearly, uh, it's all over the nation and all over the world. Um, yeah, it's been a very, none of us have lived through anything like this before. So it's been a very strange time, but I think we've done a good job and, um, I'll credit, you know, our administrators and my colleagues and everybody that works within our clinic all the medical assistants all the people who work in diagnostic imaging in the lab i mean everybody has just gone overboard with the effort to help our community here and um so it feels good
1: take me back to probably those early days there when you first had that case i know at that time in door county this still looked like a very far off thing even even i would be say that i was kind of blowing it off through Mm -hmm. most of february and you know, we've only now seen, f- felt the greater sense of urgency in Wisconsin for about ten days, and in Door County for the last mm-hmm. week. I think that bubble was definitely still there, even though probably logically we all thought, "Well, eventually it's going to be here, or it already is here, just not confirmed." But you still have that right. g- that great, comfortable Door County bubble over you. So we're just stepping into it. You've been in it for four to five weeks now in the Washington area, so kind of tell me what that was like when it was like to have it hit you guys first and what that did, even if you weren't necessarily on the front lines of this, like it has to impact the entire Mm -hmm. medical community. So to kind of take me through what that was like.
2: Right. Well, when it first hit, even though it was in our community, it almost felt like it might just stay isolated to the nursing home. But it was within a few days, it was quite clear that this was going to get into the community. And um, those first couple of weeks, nobody really knew what to think at all. I mean, we were all kind of looking at each other, you know, going, all right, where's this, where's this heading? And I remember when Amazon told everyone to stay home from work. And I thought that that was far too aggressive. I just couldn't believe that a a company that big was telling everybody to stay home. But, you know, within days, Microsoft and all the other big companies out here, all the, specifically the tech companies just said, yeah, work from home. And at that time, it, it, I think that sort of brought to the forefront how big of a deal this thing really was, because when companies that big are telling everyone to stay away, I mean, thats I can't imagine the income and the, the economics around that kind of a decision, mm-hmm. but they all did it very quickly. And in retrospect, uh, it looks like that's probably one of the things that has helped this thing remain uh, it's kind of a slow burn rather than a brush fire, and um, everyone's still taking this thing very seriously. It's I'm, I'm certainly no long-term Seattle resident. I've been here for three years, and but the difference between driving down the street right now versus two months ago is it's very stark. There's almost nobody on the road, and I guess every day when I go to and from work, because I am still going to work, um, I I take that quiet as the whole community's commitment to this. And in a way, in a, you know, you know, it's it's strange to to not hear all the normal city noise and to see all the traffic and see all the brake lights. Um, but it is oddly comforting just because you know, the more people stay home right now, the more we know this thing's gonna eventually kinda smolder out. That's at least the working theory, right, that we're all kind of going on. So um, yeah. Uh Clinic life has changed drastically. Uh, what we're seeing in the clinics is uh, a lot less in terms of numbers, and we're doing what are called essential visits and we've we've with our leadership here we've moved into i think two hundred and eighty doctors in our group are doing telehealth visits now within a very quick amount of time within two weeks, people were all doing that. Uh, we've got dedicated respiratory clinics that started a few weeks ago. I actually worked in one of them for the first week, where we were seeing nothing but sick people who were worried about the possibility of having the virus. Uh, just this week, we've started a drive-through testing center, so that's going to be good. And uh, but yeah, then it's just a matter of you know watching our numbers and trying to keep people at home and specifically out of the hospitals and out of the emergency rooms so that the doctors and the staff working in those places can really do their job without having to be overwhelmed.
1: Yeah, maybe you can speak a little bit to how this all works. Like By people staying home, you have your normal, like hospitals are normally busy enough. And if everyone was still going about their day, not only would you have the, the spread issues to deal with, But you just have all these different cuts, all these bruises, all these sports injuries, all these other things coming into the hospital every day to also risk cross-infection, but also wear down the medical system.
2: Right. I heard an interesting metric the other day that traffic accidents have reduced something like close to 70% in this town. So those (laughs) people are staying out of the emergency rooms too. Um, yeah, it seems, it seems that we're, we're so focused on getting through this, that Everything else has taken a back seat. And, um, but we are staying open because the thing that we don't want to do is to lose sight of the fact that other medical problems can still happen right now. Uh, you know, people can still have other cardiopulmonary concerns, diabetic concerns, strokes, um, infections. There's all other things that we still have to take care of. And so that's why we're, you know, we're doing certain clinics are doing what we deem essential visits. Other clinics are doing. Either telehealth from home or uh, through dedicated rooms in the clinics, and, and then we still have our dedicated respiratory clinics that is still seeing nothing but sick people. And um, uh, the drive-through option has been a good one because the people who have mild symptoms but you know meet the criteria for testing can simply literally drive through and then get called with their results, but then go straight home and not expose anyone else.
1: Right. Backtracking a little bit to the the role of those big companies making those moves voluntarily before there was any state order, um, right. you, you have, and, and not to ask you to get political on this at all, but meanwhile, we have governors or we have different parts of the country where people are just letting this go on and on and on and, and letting this, uh, everybody out into the public and gather in large groups. Um, and yet in Seattle, that it was those big companies that sort of laid it and then several weeks I think it was several weeks later that they went for a full stay home order. Um, but before right. that that government action to stay home, was it pretty? were pe- people pretty much um, doing this by themselves anyway at that point?
2: It's not like it is right now. But if you drove through the middle of downtown a few days after the stay at home order, it was already a very noticeable difference. <laughs> at that time, some businesses were uh, still open, much less so than now. That was the time when restaurants were starting to scramble and figure out, you know, what are, you know, people still need to eat. So, how are we going to not only keep our patrons fed, but our employees employed? And there were some people in town here who did some interesting things with you know, drive through restaurants, pickup, um, delivery services are still quite busy out here. Um, and then as far as the big social things like, you know, sports and concerts and plays and that kind of stuff, I mean, it's just, it's shut down entirely. Um, I went and saw a comedian about a month ago, right at the tail end of this thing. And I remember going in thinking this isn't as full as it should be. And I also thought through the show as I was leaving, I was thinking this is probably going to be the last public thing that I attend for a while. And it was right.
1: Hmm. I remember when the NBA shut down that night, um, they had this highlight of Vince Carter coming down and hitting a three in the final seconds of a game. And Vince Carter, for those who don't know, has been playing, I think, 22 years. And when he hit that, they said that might be the final bucket of his illustrious career. And at first, even then I thought, oh, come on, like they're not like the NBA is actually going to shut this down. And now in hindsight, that just looks like so obvious that they were going to shut down all sports but it's, it's amazing how quickly that perception has changed on just about everything that we thought was impossible to close we figured out we can live without right. it, at least for a time um absolutely so what how is the how's the feeling out there like people are, have come together like people generally accept this as this is this is the the thing we have to do right now or is there a lot of debate in the Washington mm-hmm. area about
2: this I haven't encountered anyone who's debating this thing right now mm-hmm. I mean I our neighbor, I live in a, in a neighborhood now where, you know, people are out in their yards, uh, but very clearly social distancing. Um, we've had, you know, our spring arrives a little earlier than Door County. So it's yesterday was 60, um, people were out running and biking, but, you know, again, not as many as you would expect on a normal, nice day. A lot of people taking this time from what I can see to do spring cleaning, you know, getting the outside of the houses cleaned off, gutters, uh, yard projects, planting their gardens, cleaning out the garage. Um, but, you know, everyone's talking to each other. You know, I mean, I, you talk to your neighbors, everyone's kind of got their eye on each other. Mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of people here um, delivering goods and food to people who need them, you know, like the Meals on Wheels and... um there's a big community outreach with nursing homes trying to make sure that they're getting what they need. And, um, um, but it's, yeah, it's definitely a different, a different feel. I think families are getting to know each other <laughs> maybe <laughs> more than they want to right now. Um, yeah. It's just, uh, you know, you get so used to interacting with others and even just giving your buddy a hug or shaking hands politely you know, all that stuff's on right now is that I'm sure it is there as mm-hmm. well. Um, but, um, yeah, right now it's, it's kind of like Groundhog's Day. You know, we get up and we, you know, we get the kids off to their, uh, you know, to the daycare, which is still open here. Most of them, um, my wife, Molly, who everybody I'm sure still knows there who's from Door County is a nurse practitioner at Seattle Cancer Care Alliance. And, um, she's going to work full time and doing, uh, some telehealth, some face-to-face visits. And um, you know, she works with the University of Washington system, and they've been responsible for a lot of the metrics and the data interpretation throughout this pandemic. So she seems to be very on top of the numbers, and we speak about them in the evenings. And <laughs> um, But, yeah, so we almost feel fortunate to, you know, to be in medicine so that we're still going to work. I feel terrible for the people who are out of work right now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's such a strange time and it's new territory for all of us. Uh, I, I heard somebody uh, describe this whole thing as lo- watching a slow motion car crash. <laughs> and it kind of feels like that in a way. You know, right. You just, it's just you can just know when something's going you know, in a bad direction, but you can't do anything about it, almost. But I guess what you can do is, uh, you know, heed the warnings. You just take personal responsibility, take care of your loved ones. And, um, you know, I think this is good. This is getting through this is has certainly been challenging. We've got more time ahead of us. But uh, from what I can tell, living here in this community, and this is a big town, I mean, this is three and a half million people are close to it. And um, it just seems like people are taking it seriously here, and I, I don't know at what point. I don't know. I don't know what the next step is. Nobody really does. I mean, we've we've got lo- lockdown orders here until May fifth uh, in Seattle, so that's still a month from now, which seems just <laughs> unfathomable. <It's laughs> only been out of a few weeks, and it's
1: and uh, and to put that in perspective. But here we are. You you guys have been fortunate in that, and for people who who don't follow it as closely outside of their immediate area washington had a the first case in the united states they had the first spikes they had the first nursing home that was just decimated by this virus and then it looked like as i was watching it i was like oh no they're gonna that's just gonna be on fire out there in no time but it seems like those moves by the big companies and then everybody following suit it really did you're seeing the impact of that in the the flattening of the curve out there, as they they keep saying, mm-hmm. um, and cases have kind of leveled off. You haven't had the massive spike in deaths that you've seen in New York and other places. Um, what lessons? And and yet you're still shut down. People are still not going out. And like you said, you still have a month of this. What lessons can okay. people in Wisconsin and Door County take from your experience there? As we are just seeing, like yesterday, we announced that we have seven cases in Door County. We had one. A week ago, Mm -hmm. um, Wisconsin still has a total of about 2,400 cases. It hasn't blown up, except Milwaukee is starting to see a bit of a crisis. So as we get impatient now about wanting to get outside, and as spring comes to Door County, which you know is you know the first sunny day that's over 35 degrees, we all want to run outside in our shorts and jump in the lake. But um, (laughs) what what are the lessons that we might want to take from your experience out in Washington in battling this virus?
2: Yeah, i i appreciate you. I appreciate you bringing up the Wisconsin numbers. The, and the way I keep up on the Wisconsin numbers is listening to the Pulse podcast every day. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I really, I think you guys are doing a bang up job, and it's it's really comforting to hear familiar voices talking about a community that I care about so much. And um, yeah, as far as I, I is there a, you guys are a few weeks behind us from what I can, from what it feels. And um, really, what it comes down to, it, it doesn't have to be. Overly complex. I mean, what it comes down to is just staying put and not exposing yourself to others right now. And it's just a strange thing to ask, it's not only of individuals but of communities. And asking, you know, businesses to to close their doors and to stop getting an income is it's just a very new thing for all of us. And um, the, this experiment is nationwide, if not worldwide, right now in terms of how what it's doing to our psyches and. Um, uh, yeah, it's, I certainly can't claim to be an expert on any of this anymore from the fact that I've just been living it longer, maybe, uh, in person by a couple of weeks. But, um, yeah, the, 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 really the, the take home message that I can give is just to, you know, listen to the people who are running your communities and giving the advice. Um, take things seriously, uh, take things seriously they're they're thinking that more and more cases just don't have symptoms. So if you don't have any symptoms and you're spreading it, you know, you've, you've got to just be cognizant of that because the people uh, who are most likely to get real sick from this are counting on you to, to you know, take care of yourself and in turn take care of them. Um, and yeah, there's, I don't have any magic uh, words and I don't have any any kind of secret insight into this. I mean, this thing has been covered so thoroughly um, that if you're looking for data, whether it's numbers or opinions, it's it's just, there's nothing but it. There's just days and days of things that you can read and listen to online. Um,
1: you know, what's been fascinating to me is see, seeing how people interpret that data. I mean, you have some people who are uh-huh. who will look at the New York death rates and they'll say, well, it's only slightly More people are dying per day, you know, early on in this spike out there. Only slightly more people are dying than they would in a normal day in New York. But like you said Mm -hmm. earlier, you're taking away, by shutting down, you're taking away all the traffic deaths. You're taking away all the other injuries and all the other violent crimes and all the other things, drug overdoses, maybe, uh, although I I haven't looked at that data. Maybe there's more of those right now as people are in isolation, but Mm -hmm. you're taking away all those electives. And... Mm -hmm. Now it's all like almost I would all those say, I would those tests.
2: I would say a good portion. I don't know about
1: all. I, yeah, I shouldn't say all. But you're taking away a lot of those um, and replacing those with the coronavirus test. So it's, you just, it's, mm-hmm. it, it, unfortunately, it's hard one to wrap your head around because it's not like a, a perfect A-B test, right? Because... Before coronavirus, we did all these other things, and now we're not. So the data isn't like apples to apples in that way. So it's hard for people to wrap around whether it's working or not. But I think the one thing we can look to is the state of Washington right now with the with the response that the citizens have made out there. Um, it does show that you can slow this thing, and it doesn't have to get as out of control as it has in other areas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one other thing, Phil, while I have you on the podcast that relates to this, but kind of a different tack you spent years up here working with high school athletes uh, through Door County Medical Center. And mm-hmm. now you have, and, and I know that you loved working with those those athletes. Now you have a, a senior season and all these athletes coming into the spring, and it looks like they're probably not going to get to uh, throw another pitch or run another 100 meter dash or experience any of that senior season. So I wonder if if you've spent much time thinking about that and what that impact might be on the kids who, who, you know, like live and die for, for getting to their senior year and having that experience.
2: Yeah. Boy, I just sat here getting really sad as you talk me through. That. <laughs> it's just, it's one of those things. I don't know if there's any way around it right now. I, I, where we live in our neighborhood, we've got some um, families with teenagers and I've seen them, you know, out in their yards doing stuff when where normally they're out, you know, socializing with their buddies, but they're all home. Just like they are in Door County, and yeah, it's it's a very strange time to be a student at any level. I would imagine um, even our three-year-old uh, has, you know, he they did a, a video conference with his daycare classmates because they were worried about, that they were missing each other. So I can't imagine what it's like to be a, a high school, uh, you know, athlete or student where you're just all of a sudden completely isolated from your friends outside of video chats. Um, yeah, and then the, to the broader aspect then it's you know university students and people it's just a this is unprecedented there's just no way to compare it to anything else where everywhere everyone's shutting down and you know i I don't know how it's really going to impact graduations and credentialing and all that kind of stuff but it's it's an interesting thing to to think about but yeah when it when it comes down to the human aspect yeah you can't help but feel terrible for for those athletes and um you know
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's,
2: I wish I had a magic laundry now. I really do. <laughs> you
1: you realize all the things that you um, – I mean, th- these are so many things that we never thought about having taken away from us ever, um, right. even in like the wildest worst-case scenario of, you know, 9-11 was awful, but and it really paused life for a couple of weeks, but we got back to having Green Bay Packers football games two weeks later, and mm-hmm. the ballparks were open, and high school sports went on. Um, it, this is just something – that's so different. Um, maybe right. those older than me who who lived through World War II could probably compare it to something, or maybe people who mm-hmm. lived through the polio years. But um, yeah, right. this, but even in the polio years, we were a country of about 150 million people. We have more than two times that now, so um, right, we're a different country. So, but
2: my father lived through the polio years, and his father lived through the Spanish flu. And I had a really interesting conversation with my dad the other day, talking to me in great detail about both of those events, and he and I had never had that conversation. Hmm.
1: I, I bet you there's a lot of never-had conversations that are finally happening now uh, all across the country. Um, <laughs> sure. Well, Phil, in, is there anything else you want to talk about or say to your friends back in Door County while I got you?
2: Well, I, I, I mean, I hope everyone knows how much I miss Door County and, and miss them, you know, patients, friends, everybody that I worked with. Uh, um, you know, we're we're here and we've made a commitment to be here uh, for the foreseeable future. Our family is all healthy. My wife, my two boys, uh, we have a nice community here. Um, and, you know, that's just my heart's always in Door County. And uh, we come back regularly and really look forward to seeing everybody when we're there. And um, trust me, there's not a day that goes by. I don't think about everyone there.
1: Well, Phil, thanks so much for taking some time to talk to us and take us through your experiences out there. And hopefully we see you back here again sometime soon.
2: End of June, hopefully. Fingers are crossed.
1: Thanks, Phil.